Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive-through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Hallelujah. We welcome those watching at all of our campuses today. Are y'all ready for the word? Let's lift our Bibles and make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word. Would you shout it like you mean it? I am. Hallelujah. One scripture. If you would remain standing. One scripture. Proverbs 29, 18. Just one scripture today. We're starting the series. Love God. Love people. Love life today. And I am just excited about it. Proverbs 29, 18. You got it? It says, where there is no revelation, or some versions say, where there is no vision. Say vision. The people cast off restraint. One version says, and the people perish. But happy is he who keeps the law. Uh, Where there is no vision, people die. People live less than what they're supposed to live. But but he says, happy is he who keeps the law. Now look at somebody and tell tell them the law is the law of love. Father, you hear me and you always hear me. I pray that over these next few moments, Father, you would customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, that we might move in the realms and dimensions that you have ordained for us. Father, we thank you that we have been born for such a time as this. And Father, we thank you for vision that you give us, that vision that keeps us alive, that vision that makes us get up every morning and press through another day, the vision that won't let us quit, the vision that won't let us throw in the towel. We thank you. I pray that you would customize this word and such a fashion that people hearing it would think that there's been cameras in their house all week God but that through this word they would know that you are real and you care about them right where they're at you cared enough to speak through a human being to speak to their circumstances and we honor you for it in Jesus name somebody shout hallelujah as you take your seats high five somebody say 2020 vision 2020 vision hallelujah as we're preaching about 2020 vision as a church, uh, it's important to understand that all of these principles uh, will transfer into every area of your life. It is not enough to just have vision. You want to have 2020 vision. Touch your neighbor and say 2020 vision. Uh, because vision by itself has the propensity uh, to be distorted. Matter of fact, there are three ways, even in uh, optometry, the study of vision and the study of sight, uh, that somebody's vision uh, can be impaired. Now, very simply, 2020 vision is having clear aims and clear objectives. But, but, but there are three barriers. Say three. Uh, there's just three, and you know them. If you've ever been to the doctors, to America's Best, or Vision Works, or whoever your doctor is, you may have been told that perhaps you needed glasses or, like myself, contacts because there was a slight I- issue with your vision. Uh, the first issue that can arise is nearsightedness. Nearsightedness. Nearsighted is when light enters the eye and it's focused incorrectly, so distant objects seem very blurred. Uh, You may be saying, but Bishop, what does that have to do with my everyday life? Well, it's very simple because while there is a natural principle at work here, there is also a spiritual principle at work here. And the spiritual principle is this. Uh, If I am nearsighted as it relates to my life, I live without any regard for the future because the future seems like it's never going to be here. 
That means I live my life in such a way that everything is for today. Everything is for the moment. Matter of fact, when people are dating, sometimes they'll say, I want somebody spontaneous. Somebody just, just lives for the moment. Somebody that just does things on a whim. And while that has its advantages, there are also disadvantages because there's nearsightedness going on because I'll make decisions today without any regard for what those decisions are going to do to me in the future. And the problem with being nearsighted with my vision is that I will think that today is the only day that matters. And consequently, I will make decisions that will negatively impact my tomorrow all because I couldn't see right in my today. But then the second problem, the second problem after nearsightedness, you know it, come on, is farsightedness. You know farsightedness. Farsightedness is when you have a great difficulty seeing objects that are close to you rather than distant objects. Uh, Here's farsightedness in your everyday life. It's when you live so far in the future that nothing in the present is accomplished. If you are foresighted in your life, you're always talking about what you're going to do, what you're looking forward to, what's going to happen as soon as your kids move out, as soon as you get your education, as soon as this happens, as soon as that happens, as soon as I get that promotion, as soon as I get that job. And the issue with being foresighted is that you are never able to maximize the timing that you're at in life because you're so far in the future that you do nothing with your today. Are you still here? Uh, uh, and matter of fact, the, the, the reality is, is that when you're dealing with farsightedness, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Neither is nearsightedness, nearsightedness. What you have to do is begin to align your vision so that vision becomes crystal clear, so that it becomes what? 2020. Because there are advantages to being nearsighted and farsighted. If you, if you are nearsighted, you, you don't have to always wear your glasses. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, If you are farsighted, you only got to put those bad boys on when you're trying to read something. Are you still here? Uh, There are advantages to both, but both of them leave you with obvious disadvantages. And so what we're going to do today is mitigate those disadvantages so that when you walk out of here, you got 2020 vision. The eye doctor's in the house today. But now the third kind of vision issue that you run into is called astigmatism. Now, astigmatism is very interesting because I was, uh, as I was studying it, it is an optical defect in which vision is blurred due to the uh, inability of the eye to focus on any point. So astigmatism is unique because you can't see the future. You can't see right now. You don't see anything as it is because it all appears as a blur. Anybody ever felt like you've been in an astigmatism in your life where you're saying, God, I don't know where I'm going, and Lord, I don't even know where I'm at. All I do know is that everything looks blurry to me. I I wish you'd touch your name and say, but it's going to be all right after today. It's going to be... Everything just looks blurry. I feel confused. I feel befuddled. I don't quite know where I'm going. I don't quite know what I'm doing. Why? Because there's a stigmatism in your vision. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus says, if you will get a vision, you will not perish anymore. And if you'll get crystal clear 2020 vision, your life will never be the same. Say 2020 vision, 2020 vision. Now, there are three things, three things, three things that, that you need to know that you need to know about vision. Vision is greater than sight alone. Vision is greater than sight alone. Bishop, I thought they were the same. Well, while they are similar, uh, and that is an accurate statement, is, is an incomplete statement because uh, sight is what you see when your eyes are open. Sight is your circumstances. Sight is what you see around you. But vision is what you're able to see when your eyes are closed. Sight will see everything that you don't have. Sight will see what's wrong. Sight will see what you lack. Sight will see what you need. But vision sees what can be. Vision sees what's right and what you already have that can be used to get what you need. When you have 20-20 vision, you are not in competition with anyone or anything that you see because you're very comfortable doing what it is that God said. When you've got 20-20 vision, you are not tossed around uh, one day wanting to pursue this. And on Monday, you want to be a nurse. And on Tuesday, you want to be a doctor. And on Wednesday, you want to be a teacher. And then on Thursday, you're not quite sure what you want to do. And on Friday, you just want to stay at home all day. That's because 2020 vision is lacking. And that's the danger with if you have astigmatism where everything looks blurring. Because what that astigmatism will do is that it will give you the ability to not make the main thing the main thing. And many people and even churches get what I call from astigmatism the spirit of the pack rat. 
Uh, the spirit of the pack rat is where you keep everything and anything, even if it's not effective. You got friendships that you know bring you down, but you keep it because you've got astigmatism. And so you keep everything around you because you think everything that comes is supposed to stay. So you got to be careful as it relates to that. So, 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 so then vision is greater than sight alone because vision, see, but vision, I could have all kind of chaos going on around me. But vision says, but God, I know you've created me for greater than this. I know you've created me to live better than this. I know that while I may be in some tough days right now, greater days are coming. My best days shall be the rest of my days. I may be going through a rough situation right now, but baby, just give me a few days to come out of this because I got vision. My sight tells me things are horrible, but we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Touch your neighbor, say 2020 vision. Second thing, though, second thing, second thing, second thing that, that you need to know about vision is without vision, you cast off restraint. Uh, you cast off restraint. Old King James, I believe it says you perish. Now, here, here's the interesting thing uh, about casting off restraint. Uh, think of restraint as a seatbelt. Now, uh, now, 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 I believe it is now uh, illegal, I believe, just about everywhere in these United States of America not to wear your seatbelt uh, when you are in an automobile. But there was a time where it was optional. Y'all remember when it was optional? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and when it was optional, what happened is, is that sometimes you may not have put your seatbelt on depending on what you were wearing. I know you never did that, but you had a friend that you would always look at and say, put your seatbelt on, but they didn't want to wrinkle what they had on. Oh, don't look at me with that tone of voice. Maybe you were the one that did it. Okay. And, and so they didn't want to wrinkle what they had on. So what did they do? They took off their restraint. A seatbelt is a restraint. It, it gives you limitations so that in the event that there is a crash, you only have a certain limit to where you will be able to travel. The interesting thing about restraint is this, is that most times we don't need the seatbelt, if you just want to be honest about it. Most times we drive, we get where we're going, and we get there, and, and everything's fine. But for that one out of ten times where you've got to stop on a dime, or that one in ten times where something unexpected comes or happens in the road, you find then the value of the restraint that you had on. So now watch this, watch this. If I don't have a clear vision for my life, I will get on the highway and drive as fast as I can with no seatbelt and eventually crash and burn. They call those midlife crises. That, that's what they call them. They call it depression. They call it anxiety attacks. Where does that stuff come from? It comes because I don't have clear vision about where I'm going and my current situation has caused me to crash and I didn't have any restraint to hold me. Are you still here? So when I don't have 20-20 vision, I live recklessly, irresponsibly, and selfishly. You, 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 you know what that means to live recklessly, to, to just do whatever feels good. If it feels good, do it. And have you ever found out that you did that in your life? And what you thought felt good on the front end, eventually you're like, woo-wee. <laughs> I, I thought this was great, but, but, but when, when, when you live recklessly, you live with no regard for the consequences of your actions. And so consequently, everybody else becomes responsible for why life is the way it is for you because you're living recklessly. When you live recklessly, you live life by experiment rather than by design. So you throw stuff on the wall and you see if it sticks. And if it sticks, great. And if it doesn't, well, I guess that wasn't God's will. How about living with 2020 vision where I know his will on the front end so there's no guessing on the back end? Oh, that's what Ephesians says. Ephesians says, know what the will of the Lord is. Why? So I don't have to waste any time in my life. Is there anybody where you say, I've wasted enough of my days not knowing where I was going, getting distracted by this and that, and even getting distracted by good things. But see, when you get a 2020 vision, you won't get distracted by good things because you'll know there's a difference between good things and God things because everything that comes my way that's good doesn't mean it's from God. But then not only do you live recklessly, there's also the propensity then to live irresponsibly. Irresponsible living means that everybody else is to blame for everything going on in my life. And it's easy for us to do that because it feels good to blame people. 
It feels good to say, well, somebody else is the reason why I'm like this. Here's responsibility. You want it? Here's responsibility. Responsibility is just this phrase, taking ownership. And it's amazing because watch this, watch this. At one point or another, we've all dealt with it. We've all done it. But what irresponsible people do is they always find somebody else to blame for why their life is the way it is. It's never their fault. No, it's mama's fault. It's so-and-so's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my cousin's fault. It's the police's fault. It's so-and-so's fault. It's now that new supervisor's fault. It's everybody else's fault, but whose fault it is. Irresponsible people will never, ever take any kind of ownership for anything. You ask them, well, what happened with so-and-so? Here's an irresponsible person's response. Well, so-and-so did such-and-such-and-such-and-such, and you didn't say nothing to them. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you. Okay, I can't get nobody to say nothing. That, that, that's a preach, Bishop. I help myself. Irresponsibility means I won't take ownership. Irresponsibility says, is that your bowl of cereal there? Well, you had cereal too. That's not what we're talking about. Irresponsibility means I always blame everybody else. And here's what blaming is. To blame is to be lame. If you're a habitual blamer, I'm here to let you know that you're lame. <laughs> the cool police have arrived to announce to you your true standing in the coolness scale. But then not only irresponsible living, but then selfish living. When I have no clear vision, everything is about your three favorite people. You know who they are. Me, myself, and I. And we've all been guilty of it, so no need in feeling, feeling bad about it because we've all done it. Some of you may be doing it now. Some of you may do it tomorrow. Some of you did it yesterday. We all do it at one point or another. But selfish living is indicative of a person that does not have vision. Because when I live selfishly, what I am saying is, is I have no clue where I'm going, so the only person I'm concerned about is me. I don't care how you feel. I care how I feel. I don't care what you're going through. I care about what I'm going through. I don't care about how you've been hurt. I only care about how I've been. Well, you've been hurt. I've been hurt too. Selfish people always don't have clear vision. Because when they make it, they thought, well, I'm not helping nobody. Seems like every time I try to help somebody, things go wrong. Lack of clear vision. Are you still here? So then, so then the first thing about vision is what? Vision is greater than sight alone. But then secondly, without vision, you cast off restraint. That means you'll do anything for any reason rather than the God thing for the God reason. There's an old adage that says, if, 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 if you won't stand for anything, you'll, you'll fall for everything. And, and, and when I don't have clear vision, I'll do anything rather than the God thing. And what happens is, is that we'll spend years just doing stuff, just doing stuff, to get to the end of all of that stuff and say, I never even enjoyed doing that. Anybody ever been there? Come on, let's just, come on. It's okay. You can take your, 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 your angel robe off. It's all right. It's okay. We're all drinking the same Kool-Aid. We've all felt like that. But here's the third thing you need to know about vision. is every vision begins with a visionary. Every vision begins with a visionary. A visionary is the person that God gives the vision to. Visionary. Now, what's interesting, and you saw it in the trailer, is, is that when God gives a vision, it's always too big for one person to accomplish alone. If you want to know whether or not there's a God-sized vision in your life, it's too big for you. If you can do it all yourself, I'm here to tell you that's not a God-sized vision. That is a daydream, and, and, and that's something you're dealing with. If you got a God-sized vision, you're like that man that was in the trailer where he's trying to put all of this in and he's able to understand, wait a minute, I'm not even able to fit all of this. I can't carry all of this load by myself. So what happens? Somebody comes alongside of him, drops their bag and says, let me carry some of this vision with you. Let me carry some of this vision for you. A God-sized vision is always too big for you. Touch your neighbor, say 2020, 2020, 2020. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. 
What God does is God connects you while you have an individual vision for your life. If you're a husband, you have a vision for your family. If, you, if you're a single parent, you have a vision for your family. And then everybody in your family, they've got a vision. They've got plans. They want to do this. They want to be this, et cetera, so on and so forth. But while you may have individual visions, God has what he calls a corporate vision. A corporate vision is where all of the individuals come together, watch this, and lay down their individual desires and their individual motivations and say, Jesus, I'm going to pick up what your vision is for my life because I read somewhere in Matthew 6.33 that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, what things? The vision I'm trying to make happen for myself, he'll make happen for me. So here's what God does. Here's what God does. You are here because God connects you to the spiritual visionary for your life. You're here because God knew there would be a bishop foreman one day, and you're here because God knew there would be a you one day. And so what he did before your mama met your father, what he did before they ever had twinkles in one another's eye, what he did is he said, I am going to divinely connect you to the spiritual visionary for your life. And I've created you and connected you for such a time as this. I'm here to tell you, if you're waiting on God, God is saying to you, I'm waiting on you to wake up to the vision I've already set in front of you. He divinely connects you. He, he, he divinely connects you to a spiritual visionary for such a time as this. And through this divine connection, when you make the vision of harvest come to pass, God works to make your vision come to pass. If you feel like you're really trying hard, you're trying to get your business off the ground, you're trying to get this off the ground, you're trying to get your family off the ground, whatever it is, if you feel like you're working hard trying to do that, I'm telling you, you're working hard and not smart. There's a difference between the two. Working hard is saying, ooh, Bishop, look at all the muscles I got from carrying this stuff up the stairs. Working smart is, ooh, Bishop, look at the assembly line I put together where we got eight people carrying this stuff up the stairs. And I grab it on the last leg and put it in the thing. If you're trying to make something happen, you're missing the principle of vision. The principle of vision is what I make happen for others, God makes happen for me. So I don't have to work so hard on mine because he'll do it for me. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you getting this? So now watch this. As your visionary, the question is, what's the vision of the house? Say, Bishop, what's the vision of the house? It's simple. It's no secret. It's Jesus' vision for his church, and it's really Jesus' vision uh, for your life that uh, we happen to own the trademark to. Uh, go, go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. This is, this is God's vision for your life it's God's vision for our house Matthew chapter 22 you got it if you're still flipping say hold on bishop if you're gonna go to maps then <laughs> Matthew 22 verse 36 you got it he says teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law now remember we read in Proverbs 29 29 18 he said but happy is he who what keeps the law now, in this verse of Scripture, verse 36, what's the greatest commandment in the law? He's talking about literally the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, say it with me, heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the what? First and what? Great commandment. So, so the first commandment, he says, if you want to know what all of Christianity is about, you want to know what the whole Bible is about, you want to know what all of this is, boiled down to a simple statement, it's this. Love God. And love him when? First. Then look at verse 38. This is the first and great commandment, 39. And the second is, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So look what he says. He gives us an order there, and it's our vision, and we, and we, and we do it every week. What, what is the order? He says, if you want to be happy, Proverbs 29, 18, happy is he who keeps the law. If you want to be happy, he says, you got to do three things. Love God, love people, and love life. Notice the order that they're in. It is not 
love me, love God, and then love some other folk. No, 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 no. That's not the order. The order is love God, love people. Now watch what he says. Love your neighbor, people, as yourself. As indicates that there is an exchange taking place. Which means if I have issues loving people, it's because I have issues loving myself. Come on here. Come on. Put these dots together. Which means then, watch this. Since an equation, if I balance one side, I will balance the other side. What happens is, is if I got problems loving myself, the way I correct those issues is not by 12 steps to loving you. The way I correct my love walk with other people, with myself, is to change the way I love other people. So what I begin to do is, even though somebody may have treated me wrong, watch me treat you right. And I'm going to treat you, watch this, how I want you to treat me. And even if you don't treat me how I want you to treat me, I balance the equation, which means I love myself now. How do I know? Because of how I love people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this. At Harvest, our vision is our process. It's how we lead people, how we lead students, how we lead kids to totally love God, love people, and love life. And through this series, you're going to become an expert in the vision that God has given for us to complete. But now watch this. Here, here's our vision to totally, to lead people to totally. As one church in global Locations. Now, you may be saying, well, Bishop, why can't we just have one church? Why can't the people just come to us? Why don't we just make them drive 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 miles? They just need to come to us. If they love Jesus, they'll make the trip. Let me show you why. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We're almost home. Matthew 28. And look at verse 19. These are powerful words. Jesus said these words. Uh, I know that because they're in red. Matthew 28, 19, look what he says. Go therefore. Look at the first word. What's the first word? Go. In other words, he's saying, do something. Come out of your nearsightedness. Come out of your foresightedness. Come out of your astigmatism. And what? Go. <laughs> but then he tells you where to go and what to do. Because remember, you don't want to be a pack rat. You don't just want to go anywhere and do anything. Look what he says. Go therefore. And make disciples or students of all the nations. Notice what he said. Of all the nations. He didn't say go and build a black church. He didn't say go and build a white church. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. He didn't say go and build a Latin church. He didn't say go and build an Asian church. He said go and make students of all the nations. Look around because I see all the nations. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, remember this, that 2020 vision is saying no to everything but the main thing. And for us, the main thing is leading people, say it with me, to totally love God, Love people and love life as one church in global locations. Now, check this out. I believe that the most effective, and the scripture teaches, the most effective tool to evangelize the lost and equip the believer is the local church. There's lots of great TV stuff, and that's wonderful, and there's lots of great outreach stuff, and that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, he didn't tell us to make members. He told us to make disciples. At the end of the day, he did not tell us to make attenders. He told us to make disciples. Watch this. I'm going to go as far to say this. At the end of the day, he did not tell us to make Christian consumers. He told us to make disciples. He says, go and make students of all the nations. The most effective tool to do that is the local church. There is no more potent force on the earth than the local church. Bishop, what does that mean? The church is not, nor has it ever been, about the building. The church has always been about the people, which means you're sitting next to the church. And in your seat is the church. If I go to the mall, I'm the church. If I go to 16th Street, I'm the church. In Invesco Field at Mile High, I'm the church. 
Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? If I'm on 225 stuck in traffic for no apparent reason, I'm still the church. And because Jesus gives us the command to go, it is the vision of this house that we're going to believe God to launch one new campus every year, wherever he leads us, because he told us to go into all the nations. Now, you may not be excited about that because you're saved, but there's some people in one of the cities we're getting ready to head into that doesn't know Jesus. And to them, this vision means everything. There are lives that are ready to be changed. That's that's that that's the vision because you, you can't have 2020 vision if you don't know where we're going. But here's the, here's the obvious question. The obvious question is this: It is it is how are we going to accomplish this? I could get up and talk about vision. I live in vision. I live in a place called vision. Uh, one of the great uh, uh, difficult things in being a visionary is that visionaries live in the future, and when you live in the future, the what leadership is, is when you are a visionary, you come from the future back to the present to take people to the future you saw. So, but we got to be pragmatic about that. We have to be practical about that because we can lift our hands all day and say, Jesus, do it. And Jesus is going to say, I've done it. Anybody ever done that in your life where you said, Lord, just do it for me. And then, then nothing happened. Because he's saying, I've equipped you. I've empowered you, and I will be your help. I'll be the wind beneath your wings, but you're going to have to get off the ledge and at least try to fly. How are we going to do this? Real simple. Albert Einstein says, nothing happens until something moves. (laughs) Nothing happens until something moves. Now, The church has three stakeholders. The first, or shareholders rather. The first is God. God, God, The church is God's by ownership. But the second is mine. It's mine by stewardship. He's given me to steward it. But then it's yours by membership. We call those harvesters. Now Albert Einstein says nothing happens until what? Something moves. So the vision is accomplished when he moves and I move and you move and we move. Just like that. Okay, let, let's see if I get this side of the church to understand. Okay, okay. So when he moves, I move, you move, we move, just like that. Which means I can't be married to how we used to do it, because how we used to do it is not how we're doing it, because he has moved. The worst thing a believer could ever do is marry themselves to something God says I'm no longer interested in. The worst thing you could do is be focused on former things when God says, Behold, Isaiah 43, I do a new thing. Somebody say new thing. Now watch this. Go to Nehemiah. This last scripture you're going to look at. Go to Nehemiah chapter 4. I want to show you how we do it. I want to show you how we do it. I want to show you how we do it. Nothing happens until something happens moves nothing happens until something moves nothing happens some of you say i'm waiting on god to do this and god is saying i'm waiting on you to move i'm waiting on you to change god God, when is this going to happen for me when you do something god when is this business going to happen for me when you do something god when are these kids going to get right when you do something god when is my spouse going to get it together when you do something Got it? Look at Nehemiah 4. Verse 1. Last scripture we're going to look at. Now, now, now Nehemiah, let me give you the background. Nehemiah uh, was the king's cupbearer, and he gets a vision. He gets a vision to go and rebuild his city, which laid in waste. His city was destroyed, and literally there were still fires and things like this that were going on in his city because uh, the Israelites were captured. And in that, he gets a vision to go back and to rebuild his city. Watch this. He has no money. He has no manpower. He doesn't know how he's going to do it. All he knows is God told me to do it. And so I'm going to do whatever I can do. See, some of you are saying, I, I know I'm supposed to go back to school, but I don't know how to do it. Do whatever you can do. Faith is when you've done everything that you can do, and then you allow God to step in and do what only he can do. 
Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He gets a vision. And he goes to the king and he says, King, uh, listen, I, I got a vision uh, to go back and rebuild the wall of, of, of my city. My city's destroyed. He could have been, watch this, he could have been executed for making that kind of request of the king because he was a cupbearer. He was a lowly servant, and they did not have the uh, privilege of being able to approach the king in such a fashion. But he makes a decision in Nehemiah chapter 1. He says, Lord, this day, if you will prosper me when I go before the king, if you will favor me, I will do what you told me to do. See, some of you are waiting on God to do things. And God's saying, I'm waiting on you to just take one step. It doesn't even have to be a huge step. Just put your pinky toe in the water. Just do something. He, he gets a vision. And then all of a sudden, Nehemiah chapter 4 comes up. Because the, he gets some people together. The king, watch this, finances his entire operation. Isn't that something? The the people that were responsible for destroying it are now the people that are going to be responsible for rebuilding it. That's why the scripture says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I'm going to tell you the very folks that had a lot of negative things to say about you will be the very folks that's writing checks to help you. The very Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? The very people that were responsible are now financing the rebuilding. But look, Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1 comes up. But it so happened when Sambalot heard that they were rebuilding the wall, then he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Now, whenever you get serious and have 20-20 vision, you need to know that you're going to get some people furious and you're going to get some people indignant and they will begin to mock you. Oh, you're just always down there at that church. You're just always serving. You're just always doing this. You're just always doing this. You don't go on right about it because I got crystal clear vision and I know that if I handle God's business, God's going to handle my business. So mock me if you want to, but in the end, the vision will speak for itself. Verse 2, and he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? It's one thing to mock the vision. It is another thing to mock the individuals doing the vision. And so he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. So now they've got what we call in modern vernacular haters. Uh, a hater is, is, is a uh, recent and modern colloquialism that simply means somebody that has a problem with you and what you do simply because they aren't bold enough to do what it is that you do. So it's easier to talk about and hate on you rather than it is to actually do anything. And notice that Sanballat had Tobiah there. Uh, haters always travel in packs. They travel in groups. They're like hyenas. One of them can't stand by themselves. You get one of them by themselves, they don't have nothing to say. They got to have somebody else over there. But it's a cult. It's a this. Well, I'm telling you what. It's the vision of God. Say what you want to say. But in the end, it will speak for itself. Believe that. They had a lot of talking to do. A lot of running their mouth they had to do. Because they were, it was easier to sit in the seat of do nothing than to do something. Have you ever noticed that? The people that have the most problems with what you're doing aren't doing anything with their lives. They're trying to tell you what you should do with your money and they're broke. They're trying to tell you how to raise their kids and their kids are Freddy Krueger and Mikey Myers and Jason Voorhees. That's a Sanballat and a Tobiah. Anybody know some Sanballats and some Tobias? But now watch Nehemiah's response. He doesn't even say anything to them. And that makes people that don't like you angry. When you don't even acknowledge what they have to say. I know what you said, but I want to show you how unimportant what you said is to me. That I got nothing to say to you. God bless you. How you doing? I'm feeling a little bishopy today. I might jump. Trying to be easy. It's the first message in the new series. He did.
doesn't even respond to them. He completely ignores what they have to say. And if you're going to have 20-20 vision, you're going to have to get used to ignoring. Even folks with good intentions. Remember, there's a difference between good and God. But I think this, but he didn't give it to you. And I think you ought to do it like that. But he didn't give it to you. Oh, Jesus. Look at his response, verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as a plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Who are the builders? The people fulfilling the vision of Nehemiah. Look at verse 6. So we built the wall. Notice, they don't even respond to people with negative things to say. Then they pray about the people that they know are saying negative things. And look at verse 6. Then they just keep on building. Now, I I need some of you because some of you have gotten distracted because you got somebody that came and poured water on what it is that you know you heard. Look at verse 6. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Why? For the people had a mind to work. Watch this. No matter how hard it looked, No matter what opposition came their way, they refused to be stopped because they had a mind to work. When Nehemiah was rebuilding the city, he told the people his vision and the people made it happen. So now let's just see if whether or not you've learned the principle or not. I've told you the vision. My question is, who in here is going to make it happen? Who has a mind to work? I'm here to tell you, it only took Nehemiah 52 days to rebuild the wall with no modern technology, with no cranes, with with no modern uh, equipment to get it done. I think Jesus is big enough to double the size of our church in 52 days. I think there's some people in here that have a mind to work, that aren't living selfishly, but are saying, whose life can we change? Whose life can we impact? The, The series graphic... The series graphic asks a clear question. It says, look at it. We are going to change the world. Are you in? (laughs) I refuse to bow to the lackadaisical spiritual atmosphere of this region. I have been given an assignment by God. And we are going to fulfill that assignment. We're going and are changing the world. God's only question to you is, are you in? Or do you want to be on the side that said, well, I remember what he was talking about it. I saw what he was talking about it. But are you going to be a Sanballat and a Tobiah? Because if you keep reading the story, they ended up having some real tough times for the things they had to say. Are you going to be one of the builders? That said, I not only understand what division is, but I have a mind to work. Why? Because there's a promise. There's something in it for you. Everybody wants to know what's in it for me. What do I get out of it? Let me tell you what's in it for you. Your personal vision. He will bring to pass when you make his corporate vision come to pass. Vision is simple. To lead people, students, kids, everybody. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, this, that, the other, whatever. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. To lead everybody to totally, come on, love God, love people, and love life as one church. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like a love train to me. And my question to you is, are you going to get on the love train? Or not. It's here, ready to load. But are you going to jump on the People all over the world join in. I'm here to tell you that train's not just staying in Aurora. But that train is going to Colorado Springs. That train is going to Memphis. That train is going to Miami. Wherever he leads us, that's where that train is going. I just need to know whether or not you're going to join in. Because the train is getting ready to leave the station. Stand on your feet with me. Father, you are an awesome God. You are an incredible God. Simple, simple 
vision. 2020 crystal clear vision. And it is in it is in that vision that the world is changed. We honor you for the privilege of being able to be part of such an awesome vision. Do not despise the day of meager beginnings because in due season, I'm connecting some scriptures that flow together. In due season, you will reap a harvest. Here's the catch. If you faint not. God says you've spent enough of your days surviving. But he invites you to a place called thriving. Thriving is when I wake up every day. Not wondering what's going to go wrong. But wondering how good and how everything's going. I wonder how you're going to outdo yesterday. That's thriving. Thriving is waking up on Monday and say, God, I had an awesome Sunday. But I know you're going to outdo yourself because you are the God of another level. You are the God that goes from glory to glory and faith to faith. But with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Mr. why do we do that? We do that because in this moment, as I give the invitation there, people are making decisions that will affect their eternity. And we don't want anybody to make the wrong decision because they are feeling pressure from somebody standing next to them. Because this decision will not only affect their immediate future, it will affect their distant future. It will affect their eternity. Maybe you're here today and you say, Bishop, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Can I make an announcement to you? I don't care what your vision is. Without Jesus in first place, it is not going to happen. And if he does allow it to happen, the only reason he allows it to happen is so that when he takes it, it will be transferred to the believers. That's the word of God. That's not Bishop talking. That's not me being critical. That's the word of God. But today, make your vision count. Make your life mean something. Make your life count for something. Because at the end of the day, when you stand in front of Jesus, he's not going to ask you about your IRA. He's not going to ask you about your 401k. He's not going to ask you about your car. He's not going to ask you about your house. He's going to ask you, what did you do for me? And I want to be able to hear him say, well done. You caught the vision and you had a mind to work. No matter how hard it got, you had a mind to work. But then secondly, maybe you're here today and you say, Bishop Foreman, I, I, know, I, I know Jesus. I've prayed what we call the sinner's prayer, but I've not really been living for God. I've not really been serving. I, I just kind of got lost. I lost my way. And, and maybe I pray every now and then or I, I read my Bible every now and then. But I know for, certainly, for certainty that I'm not connected to him the way I should be. This is your moment. Hear me. There's nothing but a love train going on here. We're not here to judge you. We don't care what mistakes you've made. We've all made them. We don't care what issues you've had. We've all got them. The greatest thing about the church, it is the only place where imperfect people can preach a perfect gospel and still see perfect results from a perfect God. If you don't know Jesus today or you need to rededicate yourself to him, this is your moment. This is your time. Guess what? We're not even going to make you come down and turn around and face people and do all of that. Right there from your seat, you will get the opportunity to make a decision. And now is the time. Jesus isn't mad at you. God isn't mad at you. He's not angry with you. You may have had mistakes, but you're not one. You may have had failures, but you're not one. You are something to God. And, and what kind of a message for you to hear today than about vision? It doesn't directly correlate to making a decision for Christ, but at the same time, it has everything to do with making a decision for Christ. If that's you with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and you need to make a decision to follow him or to rededicate yourself to him. On the count of three, right where you're at, I want you to just slip your hand up. Don't think about it because if you think about it, you'll start all, all kind of crazy thoughts. Don't even go there. On the count of three, just slip your hand up if that's you. One, two, three. Slip your hand up if that's you. Bless you. I see you. Hallelujah. Keep that hand up. Ushers, you can move amongst the people. I see you. I see you. Come on, Harvest. Let's celebrate decisions. Let's celebrate the decisions. God is so proud right now. Heaven is rejoicing right now. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sin before you. I thank you that God sent Jesus to die in my place. Because of this belief, I am born again. Thank you that my survival days 
have officially been ended. And my thriving days have officially begun. I've got crystal clear vision about where this house is going. So now I've discovered just what I need to be doing. When I, have, when I handle your business, you handle mine. When I make the corporate vision come to pass, you make my individual vision come to pass. In Jesus' name, why don't you just go crazy for Jesus everywhere? Or you can do better than that. All the decisions that have been made at all the campuses. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you hug two or three people as you take your seats? Just tell them I needed this word. I needed this word. We're going to see what's going on at your campus this week. God bless you. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.